Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by WithJack. WithJack exists to help keep you in business by supporting you financially or legally if you have problems with the client. You can get help chasing overdue invoices, support if there's a contract dispute, but most importantly, the confidence to navigate bumpy projects and handle difficult clients. Basically, think of insurance as having an in-house legal team working for you, but without the major expense. With zero cancellation fees and monthly plans, you have complete control over your insurance. Visit withjack.co.uk and be a confident freelancer. And right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for writer and editor, Afoma Messi. Me now, I know that it's outrageous to get paid $50 for an article. But then I was grateful. I needed money. And I think my first month... I made like $400. I was over the moon. Like, wow, I can make money writing words. I was so excited. There was no niche. It was just work. That was my mindset. Like, I just need to do work. But as I did more work, I started to realize what I liked doing and what I didn't like doing. And then it was kind of like, okay, so what do I actually want to do with my business? I'm one of those people who's very scared of niching. I've heard people praise it a lot. And even I've written articles and said, yeah, pick a niche. But at the same time, (laughs) at the same time, I'm like, but look at all those fun jobs. And sometimes it's not about the money. I just, I want to do something different. Yeah, so this time around, we're off to Nigeria, chatting to Afoma, her story coming up very soon indeed. So glad you enjoyed last week's one when we were chatting to Vic in Spain. You can hear it if you missed it, wherever you got this podcast or, of course, at beingfreelance.com. I had so many comments who were excited about what he had managed to do on LinkedIn. So, um, yeah, it's it's funny. I always say, oh, one thing you can do is like reach out and let people know, you know, because people come on this podcast and share their story. Often they're quite nervous. Many of them haven't been on podcasts before. Uh, So I always think it's nice if you reach out on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Clearly, Vic isn't on Twitter or Instagram. He mentioned that, but you can connect with him uh, on LinkedIn. You might even find him hanging out in the Being Freelance community. Uh, But yes, beingfreelance.com has links to all of our guests. You can get transcripts, show notes. um, There's the book club, the community, live Q&As. Anyway, I'm getting getting ahead of myself. The point is, if you enjoy what somebody says, please do reach out to them. I hope you'll feel that way about FOMA once you've heard her story in a moment. If you're new to freelancing, don't forget there is the course for you that I created at the start of this year at beingfreelance.com. It is short video lessons that capture everything you need to know, like the finances, the dealing with the clients, the finding of work, the dealing with the pressures of it, you know, like dealing with your own time and not burning out as much as anything else. It's not just my own experience, but that of over 200 guests of the Being Freelance podcast condensed into that course. So please do check it out. If you yourself need it or you know somebody who is thinking of starting freelancing or has maybe gone freelance in the first year of it, something like that, let them know about it because I know it will be useful. Thank you. Okay, let's crack on. Chat to this week's guest and that is freelance writer and editor Afoma Umesi. Hey Afoma! Hi Steve. As ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I actually kind of fell into freelancing. I I never planned (laughs) to become a freelancer. I didn't even know that was a thing I could do. I've always (laughs) written 
since I was like 16 or 17. I had a, a website on blog blogger, I think it's called. And I just just wrote life stuff. And then I, I wrote fiction for a while. So I've always been into writing. And and then I went to med school. So throughout med school, I was writing, updating my blog, sharing lifestyle content, just for fun. I never like monetized the blog or anything. I just shared for the sake of sharing because I liked it. Mm. But then toward the end of med school, I started to realize that I did not want to practice medicine and I needed another way to make money if I wanted to to live because after <laughs> <laughs> the thing with medicine is that if you you're either in or you're out, you can't it's not one of those things where you you get out of med school and you're like, "Well, I'm going to use this degree to do something else." You can't do that with medicine. You you study medicine, you become a doctor unless you you become a doctor and then you choose to do something else with that. But you, the first path is usually becoming a doctor. So I wanted to work and I was like, I needed to find something. So at the time, my brother was freelancing. He was in university, but he was writing on one of these platforms. I think it was freelancer at the time. And he was like, you know, you, you've always written, you have a website and all of that. You probably do better than I'm doing because you already have a portfolio and all of this. So I said, okay, well, I'll try. So that was how I started on freelancer. But I hated the platform so much. It was just clogged with like really bad gigs. But, you know, it was my starting point. I think I got like one or two gigs there. And then I remembered that I had an Upwork account. I had started the Upwork account maybe like a year or two before, but it just was so confusing at the time and I never got to use it. So I went back to Upwork and it turned out to be better than freelancer for me. So that was how I started you know, writing. And at the time, I didn't know exactly what I would do, but I, I tried writing, I tried editing, copywriting, a little bit of everything, and kind of settled somewhere between writing and editing. Wow. So just to be clear, you finished med school? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And how many years was that? Uh, it depends on your path. In the US, it will take you seven to eight years because you have to do a first degree. But because I did a mix, I studied in the Caribbean. So it took me altogether six to seven years to fit before I finished. So that point where your brother said, you know, well, why don't you try freelance writing like I am? Were you still at med school? Were you just finishing? Or was it at the point where you finished and went, oh, man, turns out I don't want to be a doctor? Yeah, I think I was just finishing because I wouldn't have had time to write in med school. I don't remember exactly, but I believe I was just finishing. I just finished med school. I had tried doing other things. I was tutoring kids at the time, you know, just doing like a little bit of everything, but I needed something more consistent. And my brother was like, yeah, you should, you should try writing. And I was very hesitant. I was like, really? Because I always thought like writing is an art. I was really precious about my writing. Writing is an art. If I write, I'm going to, you know, ruin my love of the art. Uh, and I had experienced that because at the time I was also a freelance photographer. And before I started taking pictures for money, I loved photography. But then when I started doing it for money, I still enjoyed it. But like it took so much fun out of it for me. It felt more like a job. I had to be, you know, like a business. I had to be strategic. I had to take certain kinds of pictures. There were certain industries that gave more money than others. So I just didn't want that to happen with writing as well. And I found writing to be difficult, I guess, because I only wrote when inspiration struck. 
So I just didn't think I could do this for a living. <laughs> so when did you do the freelance photography? I started while in med school, I think. Um, I did a wedding while I was living in the Caribbean. I used to do like photo shoots for students who were like doing parties or had their birthdays and they wanted to do like a personal photo shoot. I did couples photography. So like weekends, uh, holidays, things like that, I would do. I would take pictures for people. So you set out to try freelance writing on the freelance platforms and to also not let it kill your love of writing. Um, I, I was desperate. <laughs> <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing like that to drive you forward, though, is it? Uh, so let's talk about Upwork, though. Like, what did you find worked for you as you sort of found your feet on there? Yeah, I, I think it, it took a while to, to really understand the platform. I, I got my first job maybe after like a week of bidding. I realized that you had to be almost like manic about it. Like you had to apply to anything that was close to what you were looking for. And you had to be fast because there's so many people on these sites. And you could see like they, they usually tell you how many people have already um, put in a bid for a particular job. So you'll see like five to 10 or 15 to 20 You'll see 50 plus. I didn't even bother with those kinds of, you know, jobs. <laughs> and so you had to try to get in really quickly. You had to sound knowledgeable. In the beginning, I would say, oh, I'm a freelance writer. I have this experience and that experience and whatever, whatever. But eventually I learned that they don't really care about all that. They just need to know that you read their job description. You can do the job. Here's a sample of something you've done in the past. Straight to the point. Um, just prove your expertise as quickly as possible. So that's what I was doing, sending lots of applications and trying to really connect. I would read the job description and then I think, what kind of person is this? Are they more emotion-based? How do I appeal to them? And you would just kind of try to <laughs> reach them strategically at their point of need, basically. But I would say definitely speed and on recognizing a job that you really could do. Because then you would be able to prove your expertise better versus something where you're like, I've never done this before, but I would love to try. I had a few of those where I, I would apply and I'd be like, well, I've never done copywriting before, but I can write. And here's my website. If you want to take a chance on me, I promise I can do this. And once in a while it worked, but I didn't like doing those kinds of bids. How long did it take for you to get traction it helps, of course, when you get reviews and ratings on these sites, but that in itself means you've got to win the work. So how, how did you find it? I think I got my first job maybe a week after I, I started actively bidding. I think I remember it was in September of 2017 and I got my first job and I was so excited. I think it was like $50 to like write an article or no, it was to write web copy for this diagnostic center. So because I was a medical student slash graduate, I could easily get that job. So once I did that, he was very impressed. And he wrote like a stellar review on my page. And that was really helpful. It didn't take up to a week before I got the, the next one. So it was really, it was a really positive experience for me with Upwork in the beginning. So I got the jobs really quickly. I got good reviews in the beginning. And that helped me to have more of, um, I guess, more of a portfolio, you could say, for any other jobs I was applying to. And then, you know how, I don't know if you know about Upwork, but basically, if you keep getting good reviews, then they 
they rate you as like a top rated or rising freelancer or rising star or something. But basically you get a badge that shows clients that you're responsible, you deliver and all of that. So it wasn't long before I I got really good reviews and I was getting more work. How did you find getting paid on it? Like as in the the price you could set? For me, it wasn't, I didn't think it was bad. Obviously, like me now, I know that it's outrageous to get paid $50 for an article. But then I was grateful. I needed money. And I think my first month, I made like $400. I was over the moon. Like, wow, I can make money writing words. I was so excited. So for me, it was fine, you know, in the beginning. And I did see other freelancers who had like, you know, $70 an hour or like $120 an hour writers like me on their page. And I saw that they were getting clients, but I just felt like, you know, I'm new at this. I'm not very good at this. I guess (laughs) imposter syndrome. Even though I've been writing for so long, I I just thought, well, I'm not really good at this. I'm just going to start, you know, at $15 an hour. I think that was my my starting rate. I know it was $12. I think it was $12 an hour. And I was like, yeah, this is fine for me. I don't want to scare away potential clients. So that's how I started. And how did it evolve? So after my first few jobs, I eventually got one long-term client whom I still work for today, actually work with today. I always say work for, even though it's technically work with. (laughs) But yes, I I got one long-term client and I kept getting other jobs here and there. And then over time, I would I wouldn't say it was like a strategic raising of rates. It was just, I would just wake up one day and be like, you know what? I'm a good writer. I deserve to get paid more. And then I would raise my rates a little. <laughs> so I went from 12 to 15 and then to 20, 25. I don't even know what it is right now. I think it's probably $60 per hour right now. I don't use Upwork as much anymore, but I think that that's my, my current rates. So I just kind of raised it every few months. I think it came from feeling more experienced, doing a wide variety of work, getting good feedback, and actually seeing like, wow, I actually know what I'm doing. Like, my writing is Mm -hmm. not bad. Look at my work out there. Look what I've done to this client. I could get, I could afford to get paid more. So that was really it. And then I, I started to also get with other freelancers on social media. Just a little, I didn't start, I didn't really get deep into it until much later, but you know, I'd see a few articles and I'd be like, wow, this person gets paid this. Like, why Why am I not raising my rates? And that's really how I started raising my rates. And you say that you sort of moved away from Upwork. So how did you go about finding work off of the platform? I mean, I want to tell you it was really strategic, but it just happened. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened. I'm trying to remember the first client I got. Well, in the beginning, I did have one client who found me on Upwork, but I don't think we worked on Upwork. But that was not the one. Um, my first real client outside of Upwork, I'm trying to remember who that was. The, the one I, I'm thinking of now is the marketing agency that I write for right now. So I found them on Twitter. I followed the head of content and she tweeted mm-hmm. one day looking for an SEO editor and I just responded to the tweet we did like a test and they chose somebody else actually. But then she had this other client that she was working with. They were looking for a, a focused SEO editor and she connected me and that was how I got that job. So after that, I reached out to her again just to like say thanks. And then I was like, you know what, if you need a writer, a freelance writer, I'm available. And she was like, yeah, actually, you know, our agency is looking for writers. 
they create content for B2B brands. So that was like a completely different world from what I was used to. And they did hire me and I still write for them. And it was great. With this new agency and with other clients that I'm going to work with outside of Upwork, I haven't needed Upwork in a very long time. And so at that point, did you have like a website? I mean, I know you had your blog where you were writing, but did you have like an Afoma website? You know, I'm a writer. This is what I do. Like like you have now where we'll link to, of course, at beingfreelance.com. Did you have anything like that back then? I did have a website. I had an afomamissy.com website, but then I was using it as a blog so it was a, a mishmash of things because I mentioned how I've always blogged. I think in 2017, 2018, I started blogging more actively, just trying to find my niche. I had interviews with freelancers on that site. And then I also, I mean, I'm a big fan of books and reading. Eventually, I became more interested in children's books specifically. So I would interview authors, I would review books. I was doing everything and all things on that website that said afomalmacy.com. But on the homepage, I had my whole, you know, I'm an I'm a writer and editor available for hire. And I used to get a lot of client inquiries through that homepage and through SEO because the website was doing really well. But after a while, I just needed to focus on the blogging and I didn't want it to be linked to my name so I had to change my domain name so I I changed the site is now reading middle grade which is doing its own thing completely different from me um that's like another thing that I do on the side a passion project but but people were finding you then through that homepage. yes where were your clients were who were you targeting that's a very good question I think at the time I was targeting because I, I've gone through so many phases with my freelance work. In the beginning, I edited not just online content. I edited books as well, nonfiction, fiction. Uh, I was like a developmental editor, line editor. So I was getting inquiries from like authors in Nigeria, where I live, in the US, um, in other places. So I, I got children's books authors. Like I edited picture books for, for authors. Um, I got... Um, chapter books, things like that. So it was it was a whole range of clients. There was no niche. It was just work. That was my mindset. You know, at that time, it was like, I just need to do work. But as I did more work, I started to realize, you know, what I liked doing and what I didn't like doing. And then it was kind of like, okay, so what do I actually want to do with my business? So did that mean starting to turn work down? Because presumably the book yes work was coming because your blog had so many book reviews on it exactly exactly so I, I had to start turning work down I had to say no I don't do that anymore and it stung it's I hate to turn work down it's a yeah. combination of I need money and I'm a people pleaser I really hate to say no to people but I would tell myself if you take this you won't have time to do the work you actually want to do you'll be stretched and you will resent the work and you don't want to do this work. You know you don't want to do this work. This, the money's not worth it. So I would say, I'm sorry, I don't do this anymore, but I can refer you to this editor or that person if you really want. And then I had a couple of editors who were also referring people to me for book editing. So I had to tell them, oh, I don't do this anymore. And they, they would have to stop referring clients to me. So yeah, I had to close that chapter. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> would you say you have a niche 
now? Hmm. I think so, but I I don't think I'm fully decided. I think I'm still experimenting, but it's more mm. niched down than it was before. So right now, I I market myself as a B2B um, SaaS and marketing writer. So those are two areas where I actually have samples. Um, I've worked in recently, and I actually enjoy writing for those niches. I would love to keep writing for them, but I still want to experiment with a couple more niches, healthcare and cybersecurity. And I want to see how I feel about them before officially declaring myself, you know, this is what I do. Mm. But but it's hard to it's mm. hard to get into a niche when you don't have any clips. So that's that's been something I, I'm really working on. Yeah. Now, you mentioned reading middle grade as like a side project, this spin-off blog, but yeah, I mean it looks pretty meaty <laughs> it looks like it's a, a potential way of bringing you revenue as well uh so it's so a basically can, can you just explain explain brief briefly what it is and then how it fits into what you do so reading middle grade is a website for recommending children's books so it features mostly middle grade books which is books for kids between the ages of 8 and 13 that's really what the blog is about i update it regularly um, I think for the last year, I've been posting every single weekday, sometimes twice a day. What, as in full pieces of content? Twice, as in two two new book reviews, for example, or two? Wow. Yes. <laughs> so it, it is, it, it's a part-time job, honestly. I, I'm getting to the point where I, I'm admitting that it's a part-time job. Before, I was like, oh, well, I could do this on the side. But it, it does take a chunk of time. Um Thankfully, it, it now, you know, it now earns money. I've hired a virtual assistant to help me with reading middle grade. So I don't do all of the monotonous tasks like linking things, uh, designing images on Canva, all of those things that don't require my input. I don't have to do them. Finding book covers, all of that basic stuff. I don't do it anymore. I just create content, think about content ideas, write book reviews. I also have a, a dedicated Pinterest manager for the site. So it's not it's not on my hands alone, thankfully. And Reader Middle Grade can support it supports those employees, those contractors. Um, but then I don't get much else after. Before I used to get a reasonable bit, I would say like five hundred to a thousand. But since hiring people, it has I've taken a pay cut, so to speak. But I, I think of it as investing in it because I didn't know what I was doing with Pinterest and I feel like it's a it's a real potential source of traffic. I'm good with mm. SEO. So that's doing the blog is doing really well on Google. We're ranking, you know, almost number one for all of our main keywords. So yeah, the, the blog has been doing impressively well. I also do sponsored content, which helps. Author sponsor posts. Um, I've worked with a couple of brands who have paid me to write about their websites. I worked with a brand recently that wanted me to highlight their website, which is for selling used books. So I would say, you know, that that child of mine is doing well enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's growing nicely. And I guess it's nice that you can back in your, you know, freelance business side of things, point to the success of reading middle grade SEO wise, for example. Exactly. 
that has been that I think that was how I got the the in with the the clients who are who the one who was looking for an SEO editor. I was like, well, this is my site. We've gone from twenty seven thousand views to close to four hundred thousand views this year. So this is my SEO skills in action. And I'm I'm not an SEO whiz by any means. This is just basic SEO stuff, you know, using your keywords, optimizing images, doing basic keyword research. I'm not a guru, but I understand how it works. Mm-hmm. And my work as a writer, working with clients, seeing how they optimize their posts or search engines has really taught me a lot. So in that sense, you know, I, I feel like all my days of working $15 per hour were not entirely a waste because <laughs> I did come out with, with good skills that are now serving me. How do you find balancing your time? And I don't just mean like between, you know, working and relaxing, but between your freelance business and reading middle grade business. It is a constant work in progress. I was losing my mind before I got the virtual assistant. But basically right now what I do is I work on reading middle grade on weekends. So Fridays, like today, half day I'll be working on reading middle grade. We have a a Friday newsletter. I'll write a couple of posts in advance for the next week. And then Saturday, Sunday, I'll do like a big research. I'll do a couple of research sessions like two to three hours and um, set up book lists for my assistant to format. And then I'll write a couple of reviews, just try to get posts in for the next week. And that's really what I do because I, as much as it earns income, I can't do it during the week and kind of split time between client work. I just find that my brain gets really confused and reading middle grade is fun work. So like I could be doing it and lose track of time. So if I'm doing it on a work day, I could just completely forget the actual work I'm supposed to be doing. So I, I just don't do it. So I leave it until the weekend and and it's work, but I could play music. When I'm writing, I can't listen to music. I can't listen to podcasts. So it's like fun time. I don't have to think so hard. It's like, it's fun content for me. And how about that other side then that I mentioned between work and switching off from work entirely? Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> My, I'm much better. I'm much better at it now. I, I remember the days, my early freelancing days, like the first year, I was perpetually anxious. I used to work every single day, including Sundays. I was constantly thinking about work. This year has been so much better. Uh, when the when the pandemic started, it was really hard because all the lines got blurred. I was working all the time. I was always thinking about work, going back to that, those dark beginning days. But nowadays, and, and I guess I should mention, I've never been a full-time freelancer in, in the sense of the word. I've always tried to work three to four days a, a week. So now I'm really trying to enforce that more. I take Thursdays off. I run errands, I sleep in, I spend time with family, I just do me things, I read books, I try to go out, just do something not work-related, and I find that it helps a lot. So I I work four days a week, and I take Thursdays off, and then on the weekend, I don't do any client work, which I find to be a real break. I still work on, on reading middle grade, but it's not like a full work day, it's like two to three hours. And then I'm free, but I don't touch client work. 
it was hard to start, but once I started, now I'm so lazy. Even if there's an emergency, I don't want to do any work till Monday. <laughs> Other that, I can't get into it. No, even if it, I'm like, even if I really need to do the work, it's a struggle, and I'm happy about that because <laughs> the the other extreme was really bad. But I mean, you said you, you've never been a full time freelancer, but you are. It's just that you've decided to take. Yes. You, you, you're going to take that Thursday off. Yes. That's so cool. The Thursday thing has really stuck. I'm like off, off. Like yesterday, I didn't even see my laptop and it felt good. Don't let my laptop hear you say that. <laughs> it will start. It's really good because then even when I'm like, oh, I should, because I'm, I'm supposed to be out of office next week. So I've been trying to work ahead. So I did I did say I was going to try to do some stuff yesterday, but I didn't do anything. Because it's, it's your day off. Right. Brain yeah. is like, no, we're off today. <laughs> so you've got a week off. Yeah. Do you manage to take much time no. off in that in that respect? No. I, I I think the last time I took time off was March of 2020. Yeah, that was the last time I I was off. I think I took a month off. Wow. <laughs> so when you when you do it, you went full. <laughs> <laughs> when I do it, I do it big. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when I'm burned out. I'm like I can't. I need to go. But yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm not really good at taking time off. I watch other freelancers who are like, yeah, I'm going on a trip. I'm like, that's so nice. I want to be off too. <laughs> but it's like, you're you're your own boss. You, you can take time off. I, I've been yeah. really teaching myself boundaries. And it, it's not, I think my personality also, I, I really always want to be helpful and always want to, I'm, I'm very con you know, very responsible. I like to make sure I'm doing everything right. And so sometimes I'm like, oh, do I really want to write to my clients and say, oh, I'm not going to be available. A couple of weeks ago, I was sick. And like, it took my entire family. Everybody was like, you need to tell them that you can't, you will not meet this deadline. And I was like, no, but I can just give me two days and I will. But I was, I was so sick. I had to write to my clients and she was like, oh, it's fine. You know, no problem. We'll we'll figure it out. And it felt so good, but I didn't. I wasn't going to do mm. it if if I didn't get forced to do it. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. What what would you say is the biggest challenge that that you face being freelance? Well, historically, it was figuring out the finances of it. Because when I started, I was living in a foreign country. I was a student. I didn't have to think about taxes. So it's kind of like everything I make is for me. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like okay I'm running a business I need to think about you know I can't spend everything I make you know everything I make is not available to me and not just taxes like I have to have a plan for my business going forward so something I, I started doing was paying myself a salary and that really helped so it was like no matter what comes in every month I pay myself this amount and it's it's a it's something that I can achieve every month, and then I put away any excesses, and that that helped me a lot with that problem. But I would say my current issue now is figuring out what I want to do, like a niche. I'm one of those people who's very scared of niching. Again, I I've I've heard people praise it a lot, and even I've written articles and said, yeah, pick a niche. But at the same time. <laughs> At the same time, I'm like, but look at all those fun jobs. Right. And sometimes it's not about the money. I just, I want to do something different. 
I've I've had the experience of working for the same kind the same clients and doing the same kind of work and I felt my brain was dying. You know, I, I like to learn different things. I like to be thrown into new waters every now and again. So I'm always like, so what what can I do that provides me with enough variety and at the same time makes me an expert? But then it's hard to break into new niches without any samples or any proof that you can you're just telling the person well I can do this give me a chance and not everybody is that kind to risk <laughs> risk their content marketing on you so that I think that's my current challenge is finding what I really want to do in terms of niche but we'll see now affirma I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie what do you have for me so the first one is that I've lived in three I've lived on three different continents. The second one is that I played violin as a child. And the third one is that I started a house fire when I was a child. <laughs> oh my god. I hope this isn't the first time this um if that's true you're suddenly admitting to something. Um okay. Um so what are the three continents you've lived on? Um, I've lived in Europe, North America, and Africa. Uh, where, where were you in Europe? I was in Ukraine. When was that? <laughs> well, I, I started medical school in Ukraine, and then I finished in the Caribbean. Oh, how, how random. Or how <laughs> wonderful. Or maybe it's not. Maybe that's a well... I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm clearly not a doctor. <laughs> uh, I mean, neither are you now. But still, uh, you know, that might be a well-trodden path. How intriguing, though. Okay, well, that could be true. That could e that could easily be true. Um, so violin. Uh, so so, what did you say about the violin? I played as a child for a couple of years, and I remember I actually wanted to play the piano. I've always wanted to play the piano, but the violin was more accessible. We had a neighbor who could um, teach me the violin because he he played the violin. So that was like a case of this is available, why not just try this if you want to learn how to play a musical instrument? So that was how I started. I tell you what, if that's not true, that was a very good off-the-cuff answer. Okay, you started a house fire. Yeah. Was this because you got sick of the violin and decided to set fire to it? Like, how did you... <laughs> no. Oh, you were so good that you were playing so quickly. How did you start a fire? Well, my brother and I were home alone. I think oh, he was God. sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> Right, go on. <laughs> you sound scared. I am. Okay, well, I was in the kitchen. And you know the thing about living in Nigeria, we don't have constant power supplies. So sometimes we use candles as a source of light. And so it was, it was in the night and I had the candle on. I can't remember. I think I was doing dishes or something. And we had these curtains in the kitchen, by the, the kitchen window. And then the candle was right there. And one second it was standing on its own. The next second it had toppled over and the curtain was on fire. Oh my God. And it was terrifying. What did you do? We screamed. <laughs> like, yeah, good plan. <laughs> <laughs> we screamed and we were just there shouting, help, help. I think I watched too many movies. Why, why would I be screaming help? No, it's it's like, not help. a bad choice of words, to be fair. <laughs> Well, and then your neighbor comes from next door and he's just playing his violin like he's <laughs> watching Rome burn. Well, he came and he poured water through the, the window. 
I shouldn't laugh. Housewives aren't funny, but <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that sounds. That sounds. I mean, that sounds. These all sound true. I mean, the three different continents could ease. I mean, why not? Unless, of course, you've never been to Europe because you mentioned learning in the Caribbean. So maybe you've not been to Europe. Maybe that. But then the you you picked Ukraine, mm. which. Should, like you could have picked it like you could have said Paris like there's <laughs> no disrespect to Ukraine either but the fact that you picked Ukraine makes me feel like it's real mm. Uh, mm. but then why would you make up playing the violin because that sounds brought so maybe the house fight isn't true and yet that is so sadly doable like that and, uh, and maybe, maybe if it was put out quickly, that it would become a nice family story, even a tragic one. So, okay, I'm going to say you've never lived in three different continents. Hmm. Well, Steve, you were wrong. I've never played the violin. <laughs> that was such a boring lie. It had to be true. You were so convincing. Oh, well done. Thank you. I spent so much time thinking about this. I was like, what should I say? What, what would be believable? Oh, gee, I am, I am not having a good season in terms of getting this right. They're going to take away my Columbo badge. They really are. Okay, well, I'm glad uh, the house fire turned out all right. Oh, yeah, that was... T- I, I saw my life flash before my oh, eyes. My... It was a big fire. I was like, oh, is this how I die? Yeah, I think I was like 12. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, that is. Oof. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? You're more capable than you think. I think when I started, I was so scared. I I felt so inadequate. And I still do sometimes today. But every day with every new client, I'm learning that I'm more capable. I can write all those words that I I used to be so intimidated you know, by how many words, oh, this topic sounds so complicated. Can I do it? And it's like, you can Google anything and you can write about it. And that's why you're a writer. So that's what I would tell myself. You are more capable than you think. Love it. And just quickly, you mentioned at the beginning that you were scared that you would take this thing that you love doing, writing, (laughs) and that you would somehow ruin it if you then turned it into a job, which to be fair is, I think that's something that a lot of people, you know, you love drawing, you become an illustrator, do you ruin it? How have you managed to not ruin it? Or have you? (laughs) (laughs) No, I haven't. It's actually been really fun. I think it's just embracing the challenges And also the fact that I have reading middle grade has really helped. Like I still write for fun. I I love that I have a place where I can just go and write and nobody's coming to read from how, how nice, how flowery my sentences are. They're just there to get information. And that makes me feel so much better. Like I'm just there to tell you what I thought about the book. I'm here to show you three books I think you should read. And nobody cares how you frame those sentences. They just want them to be readable easy to understand and tell them new information and I love that it's a very no pressure space for me and I think that helps me enjoy writing that's so true isn't it it's uh it's like because you're the client there's no there's there's nobody to impress or to 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 send feedback (laughs) yeah yeah oh oh that's great Afoma, it's been so nice to speak to you. Go to beingfreelance.com. There are links through to 
every single one of our guests. In fact, there's not just links. There's show notes, there's transcripts, there's photos. Please do go take a look. There's also links through to everything that we do with the Being Freelance community, the book club, uh, the Cookie Collective, which is like our mastermind, the uh, what else do we do? Like the live Q&As, Being Freelance mug, if you've ever seen that online and fancy buying yourself one, it's all at beingfreelance.com. But yes, every single guest has a page where you can listen, where you can read, and of course, where you can link through so you can reach out to them, let them know that you've enjoyed it and see what they're up to. Check out their website, check out their side projects like Reading Middle Grade in this instance. So that's all at beingfreelance.com. Right now, though, Foma, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. How lovely was Afoma? As I mentioned, you can reach out to our guests, find all of their details at beingfreelance.com. Also there, if you go to beingfreelance.com slash coffee, you will find a way to support this show. It's my Kofi page. It's a bit like Patreon, all of those sort of things, where you can make a one-off donation or even a monthly one that will top up my virtual biscuit tin. Well, I say virtual. Frankly, it does actually top up my biscuit tin. Always appreciated. I'm Steve Folland. I'm a freelance video and podcast producer. I do this on the side, so any help gratefully received. But you can also help just by telling other people that this podcast and the community and everything exists. Thanks ever so much. Right, I'm out of here. You have a great week being freelance. Freelance.